The Law of Averages, Season 1, Episode 12. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 12 of Revolutionary War Rarities, the podcast from the Sons of the American Revolution. My name is Jim Griffith. And my name is Joe Maple. Jim, I have always been interested in numbers. After all, how can one measure themselves against others or measure yesterday against today without knowing the numbers of yesterday? Now, when you start looking at the averages during the American Revolution, things get very interesting. Well, Jim, what averages are you talking about? Well, just about anything. Average age and weight of a colonial soldier, which we discussed in a previous episode. Distance marched each day, food eaten, average incomes of the day, average tax rates, etc. When you compare those averages to today's, you begin to see some of the real challenges that they dealt with back then. So, Jim Griffith, what data do we have? Okay, according to the Journal of the Seven Years' War Association, the average miles marched per day during the Revolutionary War was 16.15 miles. Now, let's just play a numbers game with this. If that number is real, we assume that a soldier served for three years. Then, we have to account for winter encampment time, which normally lasted about five to six months of the year. So, for the sake of this exercise, we're not going to count any walking that they did during those encampments. None of it. So we are only going to account for one half of the three years as time when they would actually be walking or rather marching. Even after removing that time, it is estimated that a normal American Revolution soldier would still have marched 8,294 miles. To put this into perspective, the flight distance from Honolulu to London is 7,223 miles. That means that if you walk from Honolulu to London, you would still have over a thousand more miles to go before you walk the distance of a normal American Revolution soldier. So now the question is, how many pairs of shoes would someone go through if walking that distance? Well, Jim, today's hiking shoes are designed to support about 600 miles of walking slash hiking. That is with today's technology. And you could assume that the shoes during the American Revolution had nowhere near the technology that we have today. But let's make the crazy assumption that those Revolutionary War soldiers' shoes lasted 600 miles. That means that a soldier would need at least 14 pairs of shoes during their three-year enlistment. And we know that didn't happen. Frequently, colonial soldiers were known to have no, had no shoes and leave blood in the snow from their feet that were bleeding as a result of having no shoes. Unbelievable. Okay, so let's shift to the households during the American Revolution. Okay, Jim. Americans at the end of the colonial era averaged an annual income of 13.85 pounds, which was the highest in the Western world. American per capita incomes compared to an average of 10 to 12 pounds in the British homeland and even lower in France. Colonial and early Americans paid a very low tax rate, both by modern and contemporary standards. Just prior to the revolution, British tax rates stood at between 5 to 7 percent. percent. Americans were closer to 1 to 1.5 1 percent tax rates. So, it is well known that the living standards experienced by colonial Americans was among the highest in the world at that time. 
But yeah, most of the earlier homes were one-room houses, and they were called wattle and dab houses because of the materials used to make them. Generally, they had a fireplace for warming the home and for cooking. During the 1700s, meals typically included pork, beef, lamb, fish, shellfish, chicken, corn, beans, and vegetables, fruits, and numerous baked goods. Corn, pork, and beef were staples in most lower and middle class households. And what did they normally keep in their houses? Well, there was no electricity, so candles were essential. Fire buckets were also essential as any time a fire broke out, it was the community's responsibility to respond. A warming pan was common and would be used to warm beds before getting in them. They would be filled with coals from the fireplace and rubbed on the bed sheets so that the colonials did not have to get into an ice-cold bed. Other household items would include wool cards, samplers from, from embroidering, and sundials as clocks and watches were not commonplace. You know, male jobs usually included blacksmiths, candle makers, apothecaries, tailors, wig makers, gunsmiths, goldsmiths, farmers, cobblers, copper, printer, tailor, merchants, and more. Men did most of the work during the war. So what about travel? Well, most people either traveled by horse or by foot. By the mid-1700s, horse ownership was fairly common, but it was still somewhat expensive to own and care for a horse. But let's talk about travel across the ocean. The average time for crossing the ocean from England to North America was six weeks. So news and people both traveled very slowly between continents. Also remember that the passage between North America and Europe was fraught with danger as well as sickness on board. So what did they do for entertainment? Well, entertainment, including everything from card games to musical performances, dancing, singing, telling stories, and individual and team sports. Children played many games similar to what is still played, such as hide-and-go-seek, leapfrog, tag, rope jumping, and hopscotch. How often did they bathe? Well, not much by today's standards. In colonial times, it was not uncommon for someone to only bathe three to four times per year. Their cleanliness was believed to be associated with the cleanliness of their undergarments, so those were generally changed often. Tobacco was the most important export. Corn was the most important crop, and molasses was a common need, mostly for the production of rum. Tea was common in colonial America. After the Boston Tea Party, the colonials began importing Dutch tea illegally into the colonies. And so it goes. Life was not easy. It wasn't simple, and needs were not generally fulfilled by going down to the corner store. Colonials had to plan ahead for what was needed, and they worked hard every day just to survive. Edwin Lewis Cole is quoted as saying, you don't drown by falling in the water, you drown by staying there. Our forefathers were challenged every day with just simply surviving. The odds, the averages were the odds and the averages were all against them, but they didn't live that way. They got up every day, they worked every day, and they survived. It took tremendous work just to survive and have the ability to fight in the revolution. Then they were challenged with living through the revolution and all of the challenges that were presented. The Sons of the American Revolution salute our forefathers for surviving for making it through life, and for teaching us how it is done. We're thankful to you for the example that you set through the hardest times 
imaginable. To learn more about the life of a common soldier during the Revolutionary War, we recommend that you read A Narrative of the Revolutionary Soldier, Some Adventures, Dangers, and Sufferings of Joseph Plum Martin, available at your local library or wherever books are sold. My name is Jim Griffith. And my name is Joe Maple. And we thank you for joining us today. And please be sure to join us for the next episode of the Revolutionary War Rarities Podcast. This has been a production of the National Society, Sons of the American Revolution, www.sar.org.